Welcome to the Minister of the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and today, after 20 years of broadcasting, is my first time introducing the program. We've rejoiced to offer you this ministry over the last 20 years. Bread of Life is a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Mission Fellowship Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work by going to breadoflifeboise.org. Today, we consider God's promise to Abraham and David of a coming Savior. That promise turned Israel into a waiting and hoping people. God set in their hearts a dream, and He has set in the heart of every person a faint dream of salvation, and that dream is met in Jesus Christ. We'll look at the introduction of the book of Matthew today and see that in this short introduction, God gives a hint that this dream is about ready to become a reality. Let's go now to this passage we looked at. Verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. William Barclay has a quote when he introduces this passage. He says, the Jewish people are awaiting people. They never forgot and never could forget that they were the chosen people of God. God had come to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, and God had promised that out of him would rise up a child, one would form a great nation, and through whom would prove to be a blessing to all of the world. And so with the birth of his son Isaac, Abraham began to look to see that blessing spread through his life to the whole world. Then, later on, God came and he made a promise to David. And he promised to David that out of his seed would rise up a kingdom and a king whose reign would center around the temple of God and would usher in an unending reign of peace upon the earth. From that promise on, the nation of Israel began to wait along with David for the son whose kingdom would have no end and whose reign would be one of triumphant and expansive peace. With the promise to David, with the promise to Abraham, God set in the nation of Israel a waiting for an answer to come. God put into them a dream, and then with these promises, God confirmed that the dream or the promise was real. And he began to point to its ultimate reality. So they began to wait, and they have been waiting for that dream to be fulfilled. You realize in the heart of every individual that there is a dream like that a dream after significance, a dream that there would be somehow shaped in their life in the future some peace or a dream of a life of hope. It is a hope that has echoed from age to age. It is a dream for significance. Some individuals have a hope that the shame that they feel in their life would be removed. They have a desire for an undimming life of joy and peace and satisfaction to somehow come upon them. They have a desire that they would be drawn into the full and utter significance that themselves longing for. That dream is not usually definable in most people's lives. It's kind of like the dream you had last night. You know it was a good dream. You know it was a satisfactory dream. While you were dreaming it, you told yourself, I want to remember this in the morning. This is a good one. But now you can't remember what it was. You don't know exactly what you dreamed. You wish you could retrieve it because it was good, but you just don't know exactly what it was. In a sense, that's what is echoing in the soul and heart of every individual. even know it, but under the structure of our lives, there is this dream, and with this dream, there is this undefined, untold waiting. People are waiting 
They don't know what it's for exactly. But it has to do something with a dream that they've had. The purpose of Matthew's genealogy here is to tell those who are waiting, those who are reading it, to tell the people in Israel, Matthew was writing to the Jewish Christians and to their Jewish loved ones and friend, to tell them that the wait is over. That Jesus Christ is being introduced to them as the one who is the answer to the great longings and waitings of their heart. He is the answer to the promise that was made to Abraham. He is the answer to the promise that was made to David. He is the answer to the promise that had established Israel as a waiting people. Matthew introduces him as Jesus Christ, and those who were reading that word and had any knowledge of the long waiting of the Jewish people would have noted that there was a complete concept revealed to them merely in the name, Jesus Christ. Jesus means the Lord is salvation, and Christ is a Greek word for the Jewish word Messiah, which means the anointed Savior of the people. He's the anointed one, the one they've been waiting for, the King. And so, when he introduces him as Jesus Christ, they understood that the name itself meant the anointed one through whom God brings salvation. He is the Savior that they had been waiting for. And the first thing that Matthew does in beginning to establish his story is to establish his proper pedigree. That's the first point. He goes to demonstrate that Christ has the proper pedigree to be the Savior, the one they've been waiting for. You know, the beginning of this story, we have this genealogy, and it may seem strange to you that it's hard for you to read. In fact, I suggested that we might do this as our scripture reading, but I wasn't sure that I could call upon anybody who would forgive me for asking them to read all these names. We read them and we don't quite understand it, but this is a perfectly natural way for a Jew to begin the story of an individual's life. In fact, the nation's most famous historian was Josephus, and Josephus wrote an autobiography of himself. And at the very beginning of his autobiography, he puts down the generation of Josephus, the legacy or lineage of Josephus, and he explains as he writes it, that he wrote this down and he found this legacy or this lineage, this genealogy, from the recorded official records. The genealogy of a person was important because Jews thought everything was in the blood. And if you didn't have pure blood, you had no right to claim that you were a Jew and you had no assurance or right to claim that you were one of God's chosen people. It was a real problem for Herod because Herod was not a full Jew, he was only half Jewish. Herod didn't like it. In fact, Herod was so offended by the rejection that he experienced because he couldn't produce the right genealogy, we read that he went and he had the official records that were held by the Sanhedrin destroyed. And all the genealogies destroyed. Fortunately, the Jewish people were very careful about their genealogies. It was so important that they didn't keep the record in just one place. But Herod wanted to wipe it out because he didn't like to be thought of as impure and unfit and not a part of God's chosen people. If you were a priest in Israel and you wanted to serve as a priest in Israel, you had to demonstrate that your bloodlines went all the way back to the tribe of Levi. If you wanted to serve within the Aaronic priesthood and make sacrifices, you had to prove that your lineage went all the way back to Aaron and you were a part of the Aaronic priesthood. 
If you married a woman, you had to demonstrate that the woman you married had five pure generations of lines going back towards Levi in order for you to marry her. In fact, in the book of Ezra, we have the story of the people of Israel making their way back to Israel after they'd been in captivity and bondage in Babylon. Ezra's job is to take them back and to reinstitute the worship in Jerusalem of the people of Israel and to establish and reinstitute the worship of the people of Israel in the temple. Ezra writes a series of lists of individuals who come back to oversee the worship in the temple. And he gives a list of all of the various individuals who are able to serve as priests within the temple. In Ezra chapter 2, verses 61 and 62, we read that the sons of Habai and Kaz and Barsillai were excluded from the priesthood as defiled because, it says they were defiled because, quote, these sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but they were not found. And as a result, they weren't reckoned to be worthy to be priests in the nation of Israel. Now, if the standard was so high for their priest, just imagine how high the standard was for their Messiah, their Savior. So when Matthew begins the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Lord is salvation, the son of Abraham, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then he gives the genealogy. Well, this is very impressive, very impressive to the waiting Jewish people. The nation knew that the Savior had to flow from a line of promise. And Matthew is careful to impress upon them that the Lord Jesus does. Now, Luke even goes beyond Matthew because Luke is writing to not Jews, but Luke is writing to Gentiles. And so he goes beyond Matthew in the genealogy that he presents. And early in Luke's gospel, he presents the genealogy of Christ as well. But because Luke is writing to Gentiles, he knows that they're not so interested in a link to David, and they're not so interested in whether the Savior has a link to Abraham. They're interested in knowing that the Savior has a link to themselves, who they are. And so when Luke writes out his genealogy, he takes them all the way back to Adam. There was among the Gentiles at that time, there was a rumor of false teachers that were rising up that were suggesting that Jesus Christ was not a man, but that he was just a spirit of enlightenment and truth. And Luke knows that our Savior must be more than an enlightening spirit. He must be a Savior who takes on our flesh and our blood and who takes on all of our deferred hopes and all of our delayed dreams as well. And so Luke traces the line of Christ all the way back to Adam, all the way back to the original sinners all the way back to where the loss was first felt, all the way back to where the dream was first born, all the way back to where the waiting began. And saying, he meets the requirements. He's a part of this lineage. And so he can sympathize with you. And he can answer the needs you've been waiting for. The second thing that Matthew does in this passage is he points out to us that the Lord Jesus answers disappointed hopes. The Lord Jesus answers disappointed hopes. After Adam and Eve fell into sin in the garden, 
we are told that God banished them from the garden, that God set a curse upon them. And that curse had within it, though, wonderful promises. And one of the promises that God gave to Eve was that the seed that she would produce would rise up to destroy the serpent who had caused them to fall into sin in the first place. That the seed that would rise up from her, God would raise up to bring a crushing blow against Satan himself and destroy him. The seed of the woman. And so, at that point in time, Eve began to dream. And Eve began to hope. And you might remember that when she had her firstborn son, she named him Cain. And the name Cain basically means, I have gotten me a man. Another way of saying it is that Eve was saying, here he is, the serpent crusher. There's the one. But we know the story. Cain didn't crush the serpent, did he? No, he murdered his brother. And so the hope was disappointed and the wait continued. All along, God began to reveal hints of this promise to his people. Abraham came along and God gave Abraham the promise that through him a son would rise up through which all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And Isaac was born. Abraham named him Laughter. He and Sarah saw him as a cause of great rejoicing. And they saw him as a cause of rejoicing not for themselves, but also for all the people of the earth, because through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It's pointed out to us in Scripture that the promise that God gave to Abraham was not through your seeds, but through your seed, through one. All the nations of the earth would be blessed. Here's Isaac, he's laughter. And yet, if you read the story of Isaac, you'll discover that Isaac is a disappointment as well. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about our work around the world, in your neighborhood, or for a copy of this message, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time, God bless you.